The financial dads are not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, tax or other advice in or by virtue of this podcast. Hello, welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Paul Becker. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Financial Dads Podcast. On today's show, we're going to be discussing ways to keep your business afloat when rough waters hit. We'll be discussing the 831B plans and what they are. We'd like to now welcome to the podcast, Ed Bryan. Ed, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be on your show today. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. You know, when we were talking about what this is, uh, I hadn't known what an 831B was, and I've had a couple of small businesses myself over the years, so I was really intrigued by it. Did do a little homework, but I, I can't really wait to learn what this is. But, Ed, why don't you give us a little bit about yourself, your journey, and how, how you ended up here? Sure. So it's a great question, right? Um, I, uh, I spent quite a bit of time in corporate America in sales and logistics and um, did almost 15 years there, right, in, in corporate America. And about five, six years ago, I thought, you know, I've, I've had enough of corporate America. Um, you know, I want to go do something else. And, um, you know, I was recruited into this position here with, with SRA and... You know, I just love what we do, right? Uh, we, we get to do something that helps small to mid-sized business owners. Um, it's a really a benefit to them. It's a way for them to help navigate the unforeseen, if you will. And given the, the events of the last three years, it's probably pretty evident, right, that there's a lot of unforeseen out there that, um, that especially small to mid-sized business owners need help with. And so love what I do, um, love helping small business owners. It's really my passion. And, and that's really how I ended up where I am today. Very cool. Very neat. Um, it, it's funny. Like I said, I hadn't known about this. And I was talking with a couple of contractors recently who they seem to have a monopoly on my neighborhood. They're always around doing someone's house on something. So I asked right. him, hey, you ever hear of this plan? He's like, what is that? I have no idea what that is. And he's probably a decent size shop. So I, I think a lot of people, a lot of business owners, I should say, really don't know what it is. So what is it and, and how does it work? That's a great question. So let's talk first a little bit about the 401k. Um, okay. Most business owners, yeah, most people in America, most business owners especially know what a 401k is, right? And, yeah. and the 401k is really just a piece of the tax code, right? So the 401k was put into place in the late 70s and allows a business owner to set aside tax advantage dollars for future retirement for themselves and their employees. There are participation guidelines, there are ERISA rules, there are, are all of those types of things, safe harbor rules, et cetera, for the 401k. So everyone knows what a 401k is. Well, 831B is a piece of the tax code as well. It was put into place in the mid 80s. Uh, and really what that allows business owners to do is set aside tax advantage dollars for future liabilities, for risks that fall outside of their traditional insurance. But we like to draw that comparison or that bridge, if you will, because most business owners are familiar enough with the 401k to say, okay, I know why I would do that. But most business owners haven't heard of 831B. The reason why a lot of business owners haven't heard about 831B before is that big business got a hold of it. In the, in the early 80s, into the, into the 90s and early 2000s, the Fortune 500s really grabbed onto this because they had armies of attorneys and armies of CPAs and they could figure the tax code out. And they, they realized the value and the benefit of setting aside tax advantage dollars for the types of risks that traditional insurance couldn't cover. 
And so for a long time, 831B was really an enterprise level tool. When the truth of the matter is when this was put into place in 1986, we believe, and it's our mission to get the word out that, that this was designed for small to mid-sized business owners. And so in the last, I would say five to 10 years, we've seen a real dramatic shift and a lot of growth in this industry to where small to mid-sized businesses all of a sudden are looking at this and saying, hey, this is something that, that might benefit me or this is something out of necessity that I'm going to need to do. And we're of the belief with 831B that it's going to become a, an ordinary and necessary business practice uh, for small businesses to ensure their survivability. So that's a little bit about what it is at a high level, but not not too dissimilar to the 401k, if you will. Okay, but you said... You know, it, ordinary insurance wouldn't cover. So what do, what do you mean by that? Like, uh, obviously, yeah. COVID's front of mind for everybody, but maybe COVID and other examples, if you wouldn't mind. That's a great question. So let's talk about that. So COVID is, is, is an example, for better or for worse. Um, let's talk about business interruption during COVID. So let's say that you own a business and you were deemed non-essential, right? Your business was deemed non-essential during COVID and you were forced to shut down. Well, if you have traditional third-party commercial business interruption insurance, what you would have done most likely is you would have went to your, your insurance carrier and said, I'd like to file a claim for business interruption. And what most likely played out was this. And we saw this time and time again. Unfortunately, it's a very real scenario. It's still being played out. But what would happen is you would go to that carrier and say, I know I have business interruption insurance. I've pay, been paying premiums for a decade or more, right? And you try to file the claim and the insurance company is going to say, well, hold on, you know, why were you shut down? Why was your business closed to your clients, your patients, customers, et cetera? And you're going to say, well, I, I was shut down by, you know, the, the county commissioner or the state or the city, et cetera, with, with COVID due to the COVID lockdowns. And they're going to say, well, unless you've had a fire or a flood or an earthquake, some kind of a triggering event, you can't even file a claim. And oh, by the way, there's an exemption on page 56 of your policy that says uh, named pandemics are not something that's gonna be covered by this traditional policy. So that's played out time and time again, right? We always make the joke and unfortunately it's more true than not. Insurance policies are only getting thicker. They're adding more and more paper to them, but it's not because they're increasing coverage, right? They're adding exemptions and exclusions to those. So if you had an 831B plan and you had say a third party business interruption or a contingent business interruption policy that was written in there, those policies would state that for any reason, if you were shut down, you can make a claim against that, right? So it fills in the gaps in traditional insurance or it covers you where traditional insurance wouldn't and or it will extend coverage where traditional insurance is unable to. The thing to think about traditional insurance carriers, right, especially on, on the business side of things, they're for-profit entities, right? They're only going to cover what they absolutely have to. They're going to exclude what they, what they feel like they can and they're going to charge as much money as they can for it. And so out of necessity, business owners owe it to themselves to, and a lot of business owners are already doing this. They just don't know about 831B. They're setting aside a little bit of money for those types of risks that if they were to happen today, they would address out of current cash flow. So the types of things we really help you with, or an 831B really helps you with, are things that threaten the cash flow of the business, brand protection, political risks, supply chain interruption, unauthorized access, cyber risks, um, accounts receivable. Types of things that either there aren't policies on the open market for uh, out there, or if they are on the open market, there's so many exemptions and holes in those policies that they're almost not worth the paper they're written on. Does that help? It does. So it sounds yeah. like it really is another insurance policy, but it's written to the tax code like uh, 401k. 
Did I, did yeah. I get that right? Yeah. So, so let's talk about it a little bit. So, so here's the benefit to an 831B, right? As you pay insurance premiums to a traditional carrier today, you send those premiums off, you never get them back. You know, if you don't have claims, that insurance company won, right? In that policy year, all of those premiums that you paid became profit to that insurance company. Well, with an 831B, you're setting aside money, essentially self-insuring to an extent, right? For these risks that you can't get coverage for on the open market. Well, at the end of the year, if you haven't had any claims, all of those funds become surplus reserve or underwriting profit to the 831B plan that you as the business owner own. Insurance hmm. companies live for surplus or underwriting profit. I always make the joke that if you go to any big city, you're going to see insurance company names on stadiums, buildings, concert houses, you name it, right? All over, all over the world, right? Insurance companies are some of the most financially strong institutions in the world. And it's a lot of times because it's, it's a, how they're taxed and how they're not taxed on, on profits from those premiums, right? So if you can envision this with an 831B, you're kind of taking some of that dynamic and flipping it and putting it in the hands of a small to mid-sized business owner that said, hey, I have these very real risks. I'm going to set some money aside and expense them off my books, those premiums, no different than I would traditional insurance premiums, but I'm going to put them into an 831B that I own. And if I don't have claims, then I get to enjoy those underwriting profits out the backside of, of this thing on an annual basis. So I put in, I don't know, it's $1,000 a month for, for the for the plan. I, I don't know what the real number is, but $1,000 right. a month. And I don't file a claim. So I put in twelve grand over the year. Now, the profits would be the profits on the $12,000, and that's what Maybe I can the then recoup? Good question. So it'd be the $12,000 plus any investment gains. So while those funds are in there, as the business owner, you control those funds, right? We have rules in place that says what you can and can't invest in, those types of things. And if the litmus test is this, if a traditional insurance company would operate that way, more than likely that's how we're going to treat an 831B plan as the administrator, right? Um, and if an insurance company wouldn't act in the, that way or that manner with those funds, then the answer is probably that's not the way we want it to be done, right? So okay. the thing is, yeah. So so let's let's use let's use a real scenario. Let's say somebody put in a hundred thousand dollars, right? So we have clients that put in anywhere from say thirty thousand a year all the way up to the the, the tax code limits you to two point four million dollars on an annual basis, and we have an internal control mechanism just for for ease of of, of thought here. Think about approximately 10% of your gross revenue could be looked at as the most you could set aside from a business perspective, right? So we have business owners all over the map, but you put those funds in and you're exactly right. At the end of the year, if you haven't had any claims, let's just use the $30,000 example. That $30,000 becomes surplus reserves or underwriting profit to your 831B plus any investment gains. At the end of the year, that policy expires. Those funds are no longer at risk. At that point, you can loan against the funds, you can dividend against the funds, you can leave them there and allow them to grow. The power of the 831B electing under that piece of the tax code is all the premiums that you pay in are an expense to the business on the front end. So let's say you own a construction company. You're able to write that off as an insurance expense. So it lowers the profitability or the tax taxable income to the business. When it goes into this 831B, the 831B does not pick those premiums up as taxable income because they're insurance premiums and they're at risk of claims. So those premiums are never taxed as they go in and what, as long as they reside in that 831B. The only tax that an 831B pays is on investment gains. These are C-corporations. They're separate, separate C-corporations that we form. 
So right now, you know, C corp corporate tax rates are 21%, right? So if, if you put say 30,000 in and you know, you got 10% return on investment gains in a year, you'd pay the C corp tax rate on just the 3000. Hmm. Okay. Now I do want to file a claim, right? When I'm filing a claim against the policy, it's, it's kind of my own money as a business owner really coming out. So I'm self-insuring. It's kind of a way to think about it. Is that, does yeah, that that's, that's, okay. No, that's, that's right. You're on, you're on the right path. So there, there is a, a, a ratio there up. Of, so for every dollar that comes into an 831B program with, with SRA, with us, you get $2 in coverage. So there is an element of insurance there. So oh. in essence, if you put 30,000 in, right, you'd have $60,000 worth of coverage. If you put hundred thousand in, you'd have 200,000. Here's an important component for 831Bs. So the IRS says that there's a litmus test that you have to meet to participate and elect under 831B. No different if you think about participation requirements in the ERISA rules for 401k, right? There are, there are rules involved to participate in a 401k. There are rules involved to participate in 831B. One of those big rules is, is what we call a risk distribution or risk sharing. So if you think about insurance, and, and it really comes down to the basic principles of insurance, but if you think about it, you can't take a dollar out of out of your left pocket and put it in your right pocket and call it insurance. Say, I'm insuring myself. And if you think about traditional insurance companies, like State Farm or Farmers, what they'll do is they'll collect premiums. Let's talk about just auto, right? Auto policies. They collect premiums from all of their policy holders in, in, on, on a given year. And what they do is they pool those those premiums together. And then let's say that I'm you know sitting in, in Idaho and, and I get in an auto accident and I have State Farm and you have State Farm. As, as an auto, auto insurance carrier. And what happens is, let's say that they find out the claim is valid. Well, what State Farm is going to do, unbeknownst to a lot of people out there, is they're going to go gather a little bit of all of the premium from every single person that paid premium that year. They're going to gather that up and they're going to pay my claim to me. So whether or not most of us know it, we're risk sharing already in our ordinary insurance lives. The insurance companies just don't talk about that, but we do the same thing. So every business that has an 831B plan with us that has specific risks, we pool them all together. Or we, we, we put, we create risk co-ops, no different than traditional insurance, but there is an element of risk sharing. You have to have that in order to call yourself an insurance company. Hmm. So I want to go back a little bit. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so many, <laughs> this is really kind of no. neat and interesting. Yeah. So what types of things can I claim against it? Like, you know, we talked business interruption, you said cyber. That's uh, that's one. I know there are specific cyber policies out there that a lot of companies have, but I guess based on what you're saying, sometimes there's a, always a, an extra gotcha in there or something. But yeah. what are, what's an example? So we have cyber. We talked about. We talked about COVID. What's something that maybe I could not claim? Good question. So to be very clear, with 831Bs. Uh, 831Bs don't replace your traditional coverages. So like if you're if you're a business owner and you have workers comp or you have commercial auto or you have an umbrella policy, right? Those are the types of things that are traditionally put into 831B plans. The types of things, like I said, that, that, that we're going to help a business owner self-insure for or are those things that are unfunded liabilities that if they happen today, you're using current cash flow to address. Let me give you another example. You can't claim an ordinary business risk as an insurance claim. So if you were to think about that, the types of things that you can insure have to be fortuitous, which is a fancy word for saying something that could happen by accident, right? And I'll give you an example. Here's an example. Let's say that, that you own a business 
and you have a key employee, but you're not paying him well and you're giving him a hard time at work and he doesn't like it. And then a competitor across town catches wind of it and says, hey, come work for me. Uh, you know, I'll pay you better. I'll give you weekends off, whatever the case may be. Right. And that employee leaves. Well, that's ordinary business risk. Right. You, you, you can't make a claim against losing that employee. Now, let's talk about that employee and let's go back to the, the, the example of COVID. Let's say you had a key employee and they got sick with COVID and they were out for five or six or seven weeks. And let's say your revenues dropped because they were critical to the business. And let's say you had to go to a temp agency and hire a temp or two. Well, all of the costs and the expenses to the business and that lost revenue, those are insurable risks. That's something that happened outside of your control, outside of normal business risk. Does that help? Yeah, it does. Thank you. Yeah. So are there certain types of corporate entities that are allowed to do this and ones that aren't? Like, you know, partnerships, LLCs, S-Corps, you know, all those are coming to mind. I, I don't know where where to begin. No. <laughs> no you know what? It, the beautiful thing is that anyone can take advantage of an 831B. So the, the front end, the operating company, if you will, it doesn't matter to us if it's a sole proprietor, an S-Corp, an LLC, a partnership. That anyone we can structure an 831b to to complement that front end business oh well, pretty neat so so now i have this premium i paid thirty thousand dollars and we made three thousand dollars on it obviously i'm sure there's some administrative fees on it but just forget that for right now right so now it's it's thirty three thousand dollars it's the end of the year what do i do now can, can i just take that money out and then what am i paying taxes on? Does that come to me as a, the owner of the business? Does it come to the entity? And then depending on the type of entity I am, go right to my tax return? How does that play out? Great. All, all great questions. So it depends on the ownership structure, right, of, of the 831B. Traditionally, the vast majority of our, of our clients, our business owner clients, own these as individuals or they own them with a partner or with a spouse, a significant other, right, as individuals. So they own the C-Corp. So you're, at the end of the year, the policies expire, the funds are there. You have three options, really. One, you can leave the funds there and allow it to continue to grow. Right? We're not going to compel you to take them out. You as the business owner are in charge of this. And this is one of the big strengths of 831B. So that's the first thing. You can leave it there and allow it to grow. The second option is you can take the bulk of the asset in a loan. You can loan it back to yourself as a shareholder of the C-Corp. Um, we use the AFR rates right now. They're hovering between two and three percent. You have to pay your own 831B plan back. It's got to be a performing note, so principal and interest. But you're paying yourself back, right? So in essence, if you think about it, you put the money in. If you have good underwriting years, then you can loan yourself those funds. Essentially, they're pre-tax dollars, and at that point, you can use them. We have note terms from say 60-day bridge loans all the way to 15 to 20-year mortgages. So it's a very popular strategy as well. Hmm. You know, if you want to go buy inventory or buy a piece of property or buy out a competitor. There's a lot of ways to put that money to work. The other option is that at the end of each year, 100% of, of that surplus reserve is available for a dividend. And it would be a qualified dividend to the individual. So it would come out at qualified dividend tax rates, very similar to long-term capital gains rather than ordinary income. Okay. So it could really have, it could be a very different rate. Potentially. Yeah, usually, yeah, traditionally, historically, right, it's been lower than so. So a lot of our clients are in the 30 plus in, you know, ordinary income tax range plus state. And then if you put this into place and you say long term capital gains or, or qualified dividend are usually between 15 and 20 percent. Right. There's usually a nice tax arbitrage. And we always like to say that, you know, we, we look at these in a snapshot now. Tax policy and tax rates can always change. Historically, long-term capital gains are better than, than ordinary income for, for people that are on the higher end. 
Yeah. I think I was reading earlier, and uh, perhaps I'm wrong, and uh, maybe if so, I'll edit this part out, right? But um, the IRS, at, uh, I think I want to say early 2020, so right around when COVID was starting, sort of sent out some letters to a lot of people, some, uh, I think they call them soft warnings yep. about how yeah, let's they're talk using about this. Yeah, please, please. Yeah, <clears throat> so you're right. They So here's the key piece in those warning letters, right? So let's go back a little bit. And this is part of the reason why a lot of people probably don't know about 831B is because in the late 2008, 2009, 2010, uh, estate tax planning attorneys got a hold of this tax code and said, hey, this is a really efficient way to devalue a business owner's estate and have minor children or grandchildren own the 831B and get around the estate tax at that time, right? Because that exemption was fairly low at the time. And so what happened is they started to manipulate this tax code for something that it was never intended for. And so like anything, and we always talk about this, that whenever there's a tax advantage involved, the IRS wants to look at it and they wanna make sure that everything's being done properly, right? And I don't know if it's just because it's in our DNA to avoid taxes, um, in this country, right, for a lot of people, but but people sometimes can't help themselves. And so what happened is there were some abuses. The IRS has been cleaning them, them up over the last five to 10 years. Those warning letters, here's the key piece in those. It said if you were, if you were participating in an abusive 831B, you need to look at shutting it down. Well, the key word's abusive. And you, you remember where I talked about um, risk sharing and claims and all of those types of things? Well, those are all part of the litmus test that you have to pass to do this in what we believe the correct way. So to be honest with you, we we actually welcome the IRS scrutiny because much like the 401k, when it first started, there were a lot of people out there. It was the wild, wild west and people were doing things because because they, they could. Well, much like the, the 401k, it had some revenue rulings. There was tax court precedent set. And all of a sudden we got these defined rules that says, here's what a 401k should look like. 831B is following a similar trajectory. It's ironic and, and, you know, obviously the IRS couldn't foresee COVID in 2020. None of us could have, right? Um, but those letters came out at a time where there were business owners all over this country that were leaning on their 831B plans for survivability of their business. Um, there were multiple articles that said, you know, hey, 831Bs have been looked at poorly by the IRS in the past if they were done wrong, but now they're proving to be lifelines. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I can tell you story after story about business owners across the country that leaned on their 831Bs to make sure that they could pay their employees, they could pay their rent, they could could keep their businesses going. And this was way before the PPP program came out, right? And we always talk about a lot of our business owners will tell you today, our clients will say, I don't know that I, I can count on a PPP program down the road, so I'm going to create my own rainy day fund. I'm going to set money aside myself so that if something like COVID happens again, then I don't have to worry about the government bailing me out. So once again, the IRS looks at it. We look at it as a good thing. Um, we offer a guarantee to all of our clients. Uh, it's a written guarantee that says, you know, if you're ever to be audited by the IRS or challenged that your 831B is not an insurance company, um, we'll provide the legal defense and the legal team. And, and our, our legal team are all former IRS prosecuting attorneys in, in the mm -hmm. 831B space. And, and uh, from a compliance standpoint, we feel like they do a great job for us. Well, you stole one of my questions, by the way, about that, <laughs> about, the, about the legal side of that there. Yeah. So um, I kind of want to, I'm trying, I feel like I'm all over the place. So sorry, listeners. It's just uh, this is how I'm thinking. <laughs> you have the plan. You've had it for, you know, 15 years now, whatever it might be. And at the end of the term each year, that money 
say I kept it there. So I have two questions now. If I keep it there, the next year I'm doing another 30000 Does that add to the other thirty, or is it a whole separate policy at this point? So separate policy, right? So, so once okay. funds – so think about just normal traditional insurance. When you pay your policy and the premium goes to the insurance company, it expires, right? That policy expires. Those funds are profit to the insurance company, or in this case, the 831B plan. New policy, new premium, new $30,000 premium, we start over, right? It's almost like a hamster wheel, if you will. Okay. Now, 15 years later, I've done it for all those years with you. I'm selling the business, right? So now it's, you know, with the gains of hopefully a 10%, right, or, or whatever, 7%. Who knows what it's going to be right now with things not going so great as we as we record <laughs> today. But uh, right. so doing this for a long time now, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm going to sell the business. And right now it's a, a sole proprietorship, a bunch of people working for me. But we're going to split it off. It's going to be a partnership. A bunch of guys are going to buy it. Guys and gals are going to buy it. How does that work? Is this sort of an asset to the business then, or do I do that distribution to myself or do I do both? Good question. It, it really depends on what you want to do, right? Um, it, it, I would say if you were to look at it from say a buyer's perspective, you'd, you'd have to look at that potentially as an asset or a way to accumulate assets within the business, right? Because it's a track record of paying the premiums in shows that the business can support that, right? And setting that, that cash aside every year. It's a C corp. It's separately owned. Let's say you own it with a with a with a spouse or a significant other. Well, at that point, that's yours, right? It doesn't have to go with the sale. What we've seen a lot of times with business owners who are looking to sell their business that have one of these things, that the buyers are inevitably more often than not going to set up their own 831B as soon as the the seller walks away. The nice thing for the seller is you look at that as kind of a write off into the sunset fund. Right. It, you could take that and, and walk away with it, you know, and then the new owners, a lot of times what we'll see is they're going to set one up right away as soon as they, they buy the business. And I should mention in there, the nice thing is, let's say you're going to sell that. So you're going to have a pretty big tax liability. Right. And not only that, when you sell that business, um, you're going to have probably going to have to make some representations and warranties in the buy sell agreement to the, to the buyer. Right. About the business, about the blue sky, the cash flow, the customers, et cetera. So at that point, you've got some you've got some liability there. And so what we've seen a big uptick in the last couple of years in is a transactional risk packet that we actually put together that allows the business owner or the seller to say, okay, I'm gonna park some money over here off on the side, and it's going to cover all of those warranties and representations I made in the buy-sell agreement to the buyer. And so I'm able to take a little bit of the proceeds of the sale, set it into this, and I'll put together, say, a two to three or five-year tail policy. That if anything comes up, a lawsuit or, you know, a customer leaves and something comes out that it happened before the sale was complete, I'm on the hook while I have pre-tax dollars setting here off on the side to go address that issue. And so that two things, one, that allows the, the seller to mitigate their, their tax liability to an extent when they sell. And for the buyer, it'll give the buyer more peace of mind knowing that the seller's got tax advantage dollars setting off on the side should an issue arise. And that's been very, very popular the last few years. That's neat. Thank you. And now I want to go back to something else you triggered a thought of, and you actually sure. said it. But that was around, so I had the policy every year I rolled over, and now I have all this equity in the policy because it's really what it is. It's an asset. It's equity. Now, you're saying I can take a loan out against that. So say I need to buy, you know, 
bunch of new pickup trucks and some other equipment. I could take a loan out against that money at a favorable rate, and basically I'm paying myself back? Absolutely. So think about it this way. Um, any any surplus reserve that you have, so the total amount of surplus you, you have, reserve you have, you can loan yourself the bulk of that asset on an annual basis. And so what you can do is, to your point, you can do anywhere from a 60-day bridge loan all the way to, the, to a 15 to 20-year mortgage. So what we see a lot of business owners do, to your point, is rather than go to the bank or go to a vendor and getting a line of credit, they essentially create a line of credit themselves or loan themselves the funds out of their own 831B plan. And then, as I mentioned, we use the AFR rate, which it, it's the lowest rate you can charge and have something be considered a performing note to, uh, under commercial banking standards. Well, you're going to pay your own 831B pat, plan back the principal and interest. So it's a super efficient way to, I hate to say become your own bank, but it, it allows you some of that flexibility to be able to down the road, leverage those funds and borrow from yourself rather than have to go to a bank or a vendor. Wow. So I know with a 401k, I think you're generally limited to a $50,000 loan. Uh, is there a limit in this world? There, there is a limit. It's 65% of the surplus reserve on, an, on any given basis or any given moment, right? So let's say you've been doing this for five years. You got 150000 in there. Well, you could loan yourself 65% of that, right? Or let's say each year... You know, you put 30000 in, well, you could loan yourself at the end of the year minus any claim 65% of what is no longer at risk. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That's pretty neat, pretty powerful. I'm trying to find the, the negative and the holes in this one right now. And <laughs> I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm struggling a little bit because it's really a neat plan. And yeah. I didn't know anything about this. Uh, really interesting. Well, Paul, here's what, here's what I tell you is that it's not for everybody, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's just a tool in the tool chest for business owners to be aware of. But under the right circumstances, we argue, and I argue, I would make this argument. I don't think it's much of an argument, to be honest with you. I think it's fact that, that there's very little else out there like an 831B for the right scenario. There are a lot of layers that the client wins or the business owner wins with. And it, these things become incredibly powerful tools. And we always say this, when we set up an 831B initially, they're not worth anything, right? But if things go right and you have good underwriting years, these things can be worth millions and millions of dollars down the road. And then those funds give the business owner options, right? And if you're a business owner, you want as many options as you can have, right? You could start to look at selling your business. You can look at loaning yourself the funds. You can look at, you know, dividending funds out. There's so many different ways. And then in the middle of all of that, you have an additional layer of risk protection or risk management insurance coverages that you didn't have with your traditional insurance. So your business is covered better. A business owner that a few years ago told me, he said, you know, so when I started this out, I loved it for the tax benefit, right? Because that's the sizzle. That's the piece that Congress put into place in 1986. That was the hook to get business owners to save money, right? But he said, now, after doing this for a handful of years, I just sleep better at night, knowing that no matter what comes, I have my 831B there. And I know I have a war chest set aside that if I have to, I can make the choice. I can go fight the fight. Or I can decide I want to ride off into the sunset and, and I have the funds to do that. Once again, it goes back to the more options a business owner has, the better they're going to feel about, about their situation. So more questions. Sure. <laughs> so my plan, again, the $30,000 a year I'm putting in and um, I do need to use the plan. Okay. So, and I tap out the plan. I can, I'm guessing I can take from my reserves from the other years and still 
help Absolutely. augment to keep my business running, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's perfectly and in fact, legal. We saw, yeah, we saw that during COVID, right? So what would happen? And, and, and so let's say you don't have to fund every year. The program is designed for you to fund on your good years when you have the excess cash. And let's say maybe you invested capital somewhere else a year and you didn't want to fund. Well, you still have the funds, the surplus reserve. So the people that had policies enforced in 2020, obviously, we saw an uptick in claims, right, against the, the, the policies, the money at risk that year. Well, I had a handful of clients. We had more than a handful of clients that didn't purchase policies that year for a myriad of reasons, but they had funds in their 831B. They took loans. They took dividends, right? And I think of a specific case. I had a client who called in a panic, uh, owns a pretty significantly sized law firm, and they hadn't purchased policies that year. And yet they had about a million dollars in surplus reserves in their 831B, took about a $300,000 loan and was able to infuse that back into his business. And this was way before the PPP program came out. And he was very nervous, right? But it was a way for them to infuse money back into their into their business so that they could pay their rent, they could pay their employees, et cetera. So even though they didn't have policies in forth, their 831B still gave them the financial flexibility in a time of need. Very neat. Very cool. Interesting plan. I'm so glad to have you on the show here today. I'm going to run into our recap and our our summary. For me, I I guess my overall recap would be this is a really neat tool, especially for those business owners. Again, I'm thinking of a couple buddies that are are out there doing some stuff. Like I said, one construction worker who I was uh, talking to uh, this morning or yesterday, I was out for a walk and I, I asked him about it. So I'm like, Definitely got to tell him and make sure he listens again to this episode. Really neat. I really appreciate that. But before I go fully into the recap, I do have two more questions for you. Okay. Okay. And it's a standard question we ask all of our listeners. And it's really two, but we combine them into one to make it sound better now. So what is the biggest financial mistake you've made? And what is the single best piece of advice you have received? Okay. No, those are good ones. Those are good <laughs> ones, Paul. Um, well, you know, you've heard of this thing called Bitcoin, right? Yes. <laughs> I have. Uh, we, we did a yeah. really good episode on it recently, by the way. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. So in 2017, early 2017, Bitcoin dropped below $1,000 a coin. And I was all ready to push in and, 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 and put some pretty significant cash into it. And I talked myself out of it. I said, no, it's just a fad. Don't do it. You know, I think I think it was like eight or nine hundred dollars per Bitcoin. And I was like, oh, I'm going to put some money into that. And I had a friend who said, oh, you got to do it. You got to do it. And I said, no, it's just a fad. This thing's probably going to crash. And then we look at what happened. Right. Hindsight's 2020. But that was uh, that's probably a pretty significant one that still stings, to be honest with you. And then mm-hmm. the second part. Right. The best advice is never stop reading, never stop learning and never stop growing. It's kind of three part. But, you know, there's. I, I've been around long enough to know that I don't know everything, and I don't think in my entire life I'm going to be able to to ever get to the point where I feel like I have enough knowledge, um, enough experience. Uh, and to me, learning, growing, reading—it's the zest of life. And um, if you keep doing that, that'll that'll really, I think, enrich and make your life really full, and and it keeps you humble as well. Great, thank you. Thank you. Great advice. I, I like that. So how can people get in touch with you and your firm? Um, any additional comments, anything you want to add there? Sure. So it's really simple. Um, you can go to 831B, so 831B.com. That's our website. Um, or you can reach out to me. My email is very simple. It's ed, so ed, at 831B.com. 
um, or you can call our office at 208-424-2249. And uh, more than happy to talk to you. We can get you a lot of educational material, talk about one-off situations for individual business owners. More than happy to, to talk about it. You know, the big thing for us is, and I said this in the beginning, Paul, we're really on a mission to bring this to the small to mid-sized business owner. Big business has benefited from these types of structures and these risk financing alternatives for a long time. We truly believe it's built for the small to mid-sized business because the small to mid-sized business owners, as you know, they're the lifeblood of the economy in this country. Oh, they're, they're the ones that, that are the, the, they employ the most people in this country. And at the same time, they have the most risk we feel. And so it's about time that they get to take advantage of these same enterprise level tools. And that's what we do. Very passionate about it. We believe in it. Um, we know that it works. And we've seen, especially through COVID, business owners that had 831B plans prior to COVID, they not only survived, many of them thrived. And it was because of their 831B plans. And so that makes us all that much more committed to, to getting the word out. Very neat. So have you guys taken off business-wise, by the way? Absolutely. Yeah. Ex yeah, exponential growth. You know, in 2020, we, we were just talking last week. There were some nervous moments in February and March of 2020, not unlike probably most people in the entire world, right? We sat back and was like, oh, we're not sure how this is going to play out. And then it just proof of concept after proof of concept. And, you know, we've been around for 12 years and, and, and we were growing steadily. Um, we were born out of 08, right? The Kind of the collapse then, but okay. the 2020 hit exponential growth and uh we're we're just the sky's the limit at this point because the truth of the matter is business owners know right and as they get more educated they understand the the risk that they take every day and what keeps them up at night there's a way to address that wonderful thank you so ed thanks a lot for being on the show today uh, i had a great time i learned a lot i appreciate your time your energy and what you guys are doing in your firm to to help the the engine of the economy as i like to call it because i I agree with you. It truly is. It's it's amazing what small businesses can do. Everything from their innovation to just keeping keep chugging through. It's it's an amazing story. So with that, I would like to ask all of our listeners to also go to our YouTube channel, subscribe there, please. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at financialdads at gmail dot com. Again, visit us at financialdads dot com. So with that. This is Paul reminding you, managing your finances can be stressful. That's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one. Be safe, be kind, and pay it forward. Mm -hmm.